Why a new California bill to limit interest rates won't fix the poverty problem. There's a bill to cap rent increases in California. And two tax hikes for schools could end up on the California 2020 ballot. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. This is the California Streaming Podcast with your hosts, Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're three conservative California natives putting ridiculous state and local politics on blast. So hop on our magic bullet train to nowhere and let's talk some California politics. We're putting them on blast, man. Choo-choo. Oh, the, speaking about the train, uh, the... The consulting firm is finally under investigation. Wait, wait, no wait, 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 tell me, give me the info here. Finally under investigation. So uh, I don't have all the details, but essentially uh, it was a pay-to-play scam kind of deal. <laughs> like college? <laughs> kind of like college, but uh, only with billions of billions of dollars. Uh, the consultant was also uh, making making the arrangements. There's far more detail. I promise I'll have more details when it comes out, but this is just preliminary. It's just an investigation that's taking place. And so you're saying, I just want to clarify here. Clarify. We earmarked billions of dollars, mm-hmm. 80 billion mm-hmm. roughly, mm-hmm. to build a, a super train, mm-hmm. a bullet train. Yes. That doesn't go over 80 miles an hour. Yes. Um, but so- it will look fast. The cool looking bullet. Cool looking. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a way to get through the mountain range. Correct. Which has previously been a problem. Mm-hmm. But we're going to build a chunk from Bakersfield to Modesto. High, high volume traffic area. High volume traffic area. Mm-hmm. And the contractor wasn't on the up and up. <laughs> here, here comes the line. Here, here I'm just, comes. I, it, no, I but think, it, but I is think that, you've got it. The general idea. I think idea? you've got the general idea. Oh, from, from the LA Times. Roy Hill, Deputy Chief Operating Officer for the California High-Speed Rail Authority and a senior executive at the lead consulting firm, WSP. Wait a minute. The dude's on both sides of the fence? There you go. Oh, my God. (laughs) Signed a $51 change order for the construction team led by the Spanish firm Drogdos. It happened in the same year he had. He may have owned, may have, may have owned more than a hundred thousand dollars of stock in Jacobs Engineering, which is part of the Dragos team. Records show. The only question I have oh at this point in time: God. What shade of brown was the briefcase that was used to carry the stacks of cash? It was but a let- sack with a dollar <laughs> sign on. <laughs> But let's vote on a new freaking tax. <laughs> oh, totally. Let's let's get more gas money so we can build us some high speed rail. As as my hero Milton Friedman is so fond of saying and I'm mentioning on this show, where exactly are we gonna find these angels to run society for us? It's true. Louie's my angel. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is absurd. <laughs> I mean like it's not surprising and absurd all at the same time. Uh, to use a liberal phrase, when are people going to get woke? <laughs> Maxine. Right? We we just keep writing a check to the government. We The people voted to tax us more. The people did that to ourselves. Can we have those taxes back since no. it's not going? Oh, no, we can't. I got to admit, you said woke made me think of Maxine. Sorry, this is a tangent. Someone had a phenomenal retort to one of her crazy tweets. Their response said something to the effect of... 
Just go take a Centrum Silver and quiet down, James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom was telling me she's been trying to get her real ID, right? Oh, that thing. I got the notice in the mail. And just in case you don't know, California did it wrong the first time. That can't be. So the first implementation didn't meet federal standards, okay? <laughs> so then everyone had to go back again if you did it in that window. So my mom brought her birth certificate. She was born in New York, so she had to, like, dig that up. And then... uh Wow. They didn't like the copy she brought, so she had to call New York and get another certified copy. The lady said, at the window, you might want to bring your marriage certificate, too. <laughs> Even though it's not stated anywhere on the website, on the number you call, anything. You know, right? just mm-hmm. just bring everything you got. <laughs> so my mom goes for a second time. Did she bring her blood sample? No. Oh. She brings her marriage license and the, uh, another certified copy of her birth certificate. Sure. And... uh they go, um, we don't think your marriage license is recorded right with the recorder. My parents have been married. They just celebrated their 30th anniversary. What the? So it's like. What We're the? married in our hearts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So their 30th anniversary, you just celebrated it. And now you're saying you don't think it's properly recorded? Like, my mom goes, I have to come back a third time? And they go, well, um, do you have a passport? Like. Uh. <laughs> She goes, this is just to prove where I live. Residency. She goes, I brought in a utility bill. And they go, oh, it's missing. Half, a bunch of it's missing. She goes, that's the stub you tear off with your check. <laughs> I had to pay my bill. Like, <laughs> I, my mom still writes checks for the bills. But they thought she had an incomplete utility. That's like. Oh, my God. So I tell my mom, because we talk about this on the show. If you want an example of what your national health care is going to look like or your state-run health care. This is it. Anything state-run in California, look at the Department of Motor Vehicles. And to that point, let's remind everyone who's listening that they have a special DMV for the people that work in Sacramento. They have a special DMV just for them in the Capitol building. Correct. And it's got an unmarked door. Right. Like that only legit. they can, that it only is like they a can secret access. society that only they can access. Again, a parallel of how national health care will be because they in the Beltway will have access to all the stuff they need whenever they need it. Exactly. And you won't. Just a, And I've had my own trips at the DMV. Oh, and then we talked about the lady that basically slept her entire shift for years. <laughs> and they couldn't even do anything to her because they didn't record any progressive line of discipline on her. Oh, so she got darn a it. Yeah, she got a, that was the warning. That was the, uh, the state is a dumpster fire. Um, Trump's over in uh, the UK right now. He is, he met, but met, they met rolled the out the queen. red carpet. Did you guys happen to see his new haircut? I did. I did. I did. What do you think? Well, but then he then the <laughs> next day, those or, of you with hair, go please. But then the me. next day or later that day, it was back to the classic Trump. Oh, was it? Equipment. Yeah, it I just like saw it. the whole he's yeah. slicking it back deal, and but it changed back. It cleaned it like. up. Cleaned it up for the queen. That's very yeah. interesting stuff. But uh, and. His whole visit, the pro, there's not as many protesters as there were. As there so, are in America. <laughs> yeah. Did they fly the uh, the inflatable Trump baby? They sure <laughs> did. I believe it's from there. If <laughs> it I, it is. Oh, no, it's London. Yeah. It, yeah. That's become memes yeah. now everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. Classic. <laughs> uh, somebody built like this robot of him on the toilet or something like that. What? And I was I was listening to a different podcast, and they were mentioning how it cost $25,000 to build this stupid thing. And they had to ship it all the way to the UK in time for... The protest. Just, just for a joke. And yeah, just for a joke. And I went, You spent twenty five grand on this stupid thing. Could have given it to the homeless. 
Could have done a lot with it. And speaking of Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Latest one of the latest actions, the uh, involving the wall, or indirectly now involving yeah. the wall. We got tariffs. Yeah, the classic, uh, the word that's becoming ever more so popular, tariffs, is now maybe going to be applying to Mexico. It's a very interesting position to take. Um, this is creative. I, I got to admit, this is uh, an interesting one. Uh, Labrador over there mm. uh, in Mexico. Yep. He's actually very unpopular. Already? He's already unpopular. Oh. And it's has to do with him trying to pull the country back to the way they were. Mm. Uh, the time. reason why um, the new trade agreement that we had, yep. they really uh, the previous politicians really hammered that in quickly before he came into power because they wanted to get it signed. He would not have. And sent over to Washington for finalization Mm. because otherwise he wouldn't have signed it. He wouldn't have agreed to it. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Mexican people don't want the caravans. It's a big parade of Mm -hmm. awfulness. Of of American liberals. (laughs) Of American liberals. Well, no, I mean, they really do cause, they cause issues in Mexico just on their own. They're dirty. They're they're dangerous despite It, it all. They were talking about they don't like uh, it, and it's getting worse. Well, and I I had heard a thing where he was actually encouraging people to go to the United States. Of course, like he's got a very public position on that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you should. And the 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 number of Africans coming through the border now is off the hook. Yeah. Ebola. There was a case right. of uh, they think of Ebola that right. just showed up at the border. So Africans are coming in through Central America and then into Mexico and then. Mm-hmm actually, you know, making their way through like everybody else. Because yeah. it's not just a Mexico problem anymore. It's it's known to the world that we have a giant hole and you can just come walking right through it. Yep. It's it's becoming a very big problem. And we're the Democrats are really trying to I, I don't know what you could really call this. It's not sweeping under the rug. Because they're I don't know what you call this. Yeah, it's, hmm. They're trying to feign ignorance or something. I don't know what they're I've, trying to do. I've never understood the opposition. I, aside, and I've said this before. Aside from it's just Correct. Yeah. Right. That's, it's yeah. anti-Trump. It, it, all it is is anti-Trump. Trump's for it. Therefore, they should be against it. When two and a half years ago, they were all for it. That was their official position. It, yes, yeah. we need to have uh, a very commonsensical kind of way approach to the, to the border. The number of videos that show Feinstein, Biden, all these people on the record 15 years ago saying we absolutely have to close the border down now. This is becoming right. a huge problem. It's a joke how much of that's actually captured on video. And not really hammered home to the extent you'd think it would be thrown back in their faces. Nope. Because you know? I do think that there's an element of the Republican conservative lobbying wing, especially um, – who want cheap labor, right? who totally don't want to see the border closed down. They wouldn't mind continuing to pay under the table. Oh, man. Sub-minimum wage. Uh, We're going to do a special episode, and we're going to tape it right after this one. And the Democrats were in California, all the ones who are running for president. Oh, boy. And there have been some things that are said that you need to listen to. And It's true. We'll get into that in the next episode, but hang on tight. Ready for the first topic? I think so. So a California topic, it's an opinion piece from the Mercury News on June 2nd, and it says why new California bill, shocker, there's a new California bill, why a new California bill to limit interest rates won't fix 
poverty. So this actually brings up a stat that we talked about in the previous podcast episode. And uh, we're going to dive into it a little bit more here. And it involves, this bill involves someone near and dear to our hearts. Oh, a local uh, uh, assemblywoman. But we'll get to that here in a second. Mm. So they say, this article says 39% of American adults say that they couldn't readily cover an unexpected $400 expense. You know, and they then when they surveyed them, I think they posed things such as, you know, a car repair, an emergency room visit, those sorts of deals, 400 mm. bucks roughly. Okay. Two-thirds of them would borrow or sell something to pay for the expense, and the remainder, quote, would not be able to cover the expense at all. 400 bucks. Four, zero, zero. How many of that that 40%, right? (laughs) 39% we said? Right. Have an iPhone. Oh, that's exactly. That's a great question. Have a thousand dollar iPhone. There'd be some phenomenal sub questions. That's the thing that they would sell to get the four hundred dollars. No, they wouldn't. Maybe not. Maybe not. No, no, they would not. No, people would sell all sorts of other possessions before they get rid of their damn phone. Mm -hmm. They would go on a three day fast. How many of them have flip phones? Like a a ten dollar flip burner phone? No, no, no. It's not very cool. How many of them own? A TV over 50 inches. It's Galaxy or an iPhone or bust. Yeah. I, people will pay well, People will pay for things they want to pay for. They will find money to prioritize stuff. I, I got in this big argument when I was in grad school over uh, healthy eating and that people who live in poverty don't have the money to eat healthy. Was this one of your public policy yeah. classes? Yeah. And it's, of course, like all of them, it was me versus the entire of course. class. No, of course. You're, like, you're a heartless yeah. Conservative. I always person. pictured it like a movie scene where, you know, there's one guy and then there's a, a gang. Like Dead Poet him. Society. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it's the same kind of deal. <laughs> and, and this, uh, they don't have, it's cheaper to go buy fast food than it is to make a healthy meal. Okay. And you look at like a, a head of romaine is like 99 cents right. or a buck. Right. And you can put together a salad for probably 10 bucks. Right. Like a pretty hearty ass salad. Right. But it's, it's easier to go spend 10 bucks at Taco Bell. You know, of course, and it's like this stuff too. You prioritize what you want. Eating a salad isn't fun. Uh, no, right? right, totally. And there's no, and the impoverished tend to be overweight. Correct. Right. So right. it's not a calorie deficit. Uh, right. They're not really starving. Right. Right. That's right. And in this, forty percent can't cover a four hundred dollar expense, but I bet you they've got a lot of things they've wasted money on. And I'll take the the unpopular position on that. You know, people say, oh, you don't know what it's like to be poor or anything like that. But I would agree with you, though. You see, um, I see it all the time. That's right. People that live in Section 8 housing. That's right. That have larger televisions and stereo systems than I do. Right. You know, I don't. And how much how much of them is already subsidized? Mm. I absolutely know what it's like to be poor. And we didn't have this problem back in my day. Back in my day. We've managed to make things work. We did without the fancy new gizmos because we didn't need them. What do you, what do you need? You need to eat. But how are you going to Facebook? Well, mm. I'm so old. Facebook wasn't invented back then. It was just a book. Yes. Well, gentlemen, I have good news for you because there is a solution. To There's all always a solution. Is it a solution provided by the government? Is there any other kind of solution? That's the best solution. It is the best solution. We so, love central planning. Give so, it to me, John. So let me, <laughs> oh, God. I, I'm dying in anticipation. Yeah. Are you ready? Because I'm, I'm about to lay out Utopia 101 here. Oh, I can't wait. 
Here we go. Assembly Bill 539, which passed the assembly on a 60 to 4 vote. Welcome to California. Bingo. On the same day that the Fed, there was a Federal Reserve port that came out recently that kind of that was alluding to some of this um, this um, high interest loan business. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about that. So Assembly Bill 539. Coming from Assemblywoman Monique Limon, a Santa Barbara Democrat. And I actually get emails from her office. You know, she does like... Did you participate? <laughs> That's right. You went to an That's event. Ex- I mean, I guess, when, I guess when you stump and campaign for somebody, they send you emails. It's too so. hard to find the unsubscribe button there, huh? <laughs> so, so that's why I get emails from her. Uh, so she brought this forward. It is aimed at curbing the very high interest loans that poor Californians often take out to meet their living costs because they are unable to qualify for conventional credit. Why would they be unable to qualify for it? You're asking, you're asking questions, Bobby. That we should. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I tend to do that yeah. logic no, thing. No, Please no. continue. I'm sorry. So, thirty. So these high interest loans typically carry a hundred percent interest rates or greater, and this bill would cap them at thirty six percent annual rates uh, made by state licensed lenders. But again, more of a third of them, they say, have interest rates that are a annualized at a hundred percent or more. And this when, is when just, I read that I went, who the hell takes a hundred percent loan? Is this like a payday that? loans exactly. kind of stuff? Exactly. Okay. That's Not right. a house loan. No, it's no, like no. Oh, no, paycheck no, no. loans. Because you have to have like actual collateral correct. Right. right. To, or yeah, something to lean against for loans like that. But we proved you didn't really need that. <laughs> no, of course not. Okay, but so these are like payday loans. Exactly. Loan shark um, things. I need four hundred bucks now. Okay, they'll lend it to you and they're gonna charge these sorts of interest rates. These loans are, quote, a relatively new phenomenon in California. And they've grown from... Are they? That's what this article says. I, I can remember Man, I feel kids, like growing right? up in L.A., I, they're yeah. everywhere. Totally. I saw these yeah. places. Payday loans. I grew up in Bakersfield, and you saw these sorts of yeah. shops around Bakersfield when I was a kid. There were, apparently, there was only about 8,500 of these loans in 2009, more than 350,000 of them in, um, in the most, most recent year, totaling more than a billion dollars. So I think real quick, just kind of a a 101 interest rate lesson here is, and I'll I'll try and make this pretty quick, but pretty straightforward. So when someone borrows money, a huge factor of the interest rate that they're going to pay is the assessment of that person's ability to pay the loan back, right? So it's why when you take out, when you when you get a government bond, a treasury bond, you're going to earn you're going to earn like a very small amount of interest because they'll be able the, to the, pay the it. Fed, out the federal government is what's considered a triple A creditor. Their chance of paying you back the money that you lent them is unbelievably high. There's corporations that are almost of the same considered the same quality. One of the most famous ones, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, right? Right. Triple A, if not double A at the worst, probably triple A rated. So if Warren wants to borrow money, he will only have to pay just barely a higher interest rate than the federal government would have to pay someone. Probably something just to cover the cost index exactly. of that money over time. Totally. Okay. <clears throat> but then you run the spectrum and 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 people and people who want to borrow money get it's riskier and riskier because the chance of you getting your money back if you lend it to them gets lower and lower and lower to the point where 
if you're going to entice me to lend you money, if I think you're a really high risk person to borrow money, I'm going to demand a very high interest rate from you to make it worth my while to loan you money in the first place. Yeah, wanna I understand what they're trying to do here. They want to try and bend the the curve and the dynamics of how risk reward works, but it's kind of like supply demand. It's kind of like a basic law in economics. The right. riskier something is, I get to demand a higher return for that thing because you're making me take on more risk. And to that point, we get back to two consenting adults making a contract exactly. between the two. Don't you understand? They are not wise enough to make those decisions on their part. That's why we need the government, Louis. Right. And I will say, I'm sure these loans come with zero to no collateral, right? I mean... Exactly. You're, I mean, you're, uh, you're not... The put, promise of the next paycheck, let's say. That's about Right, it. the promise of that. But that's not a promise, right? I mean, you could not then have a job by the next check. And to, to what you mentioned earlier, to link it back, you said like a home loan. Well, in the situation of a bank lending you money to purchase a home, at the end of the day, there's a home. Right. Like the bank can take ownership of the home if they have to. And if you can't come up with 20% equity in that house, right? right? Because if you come up with a 20% down payment, then you've automatically built 20% equity and the bank is cool with that. That's right. Because they'll they'll turn a profit if they got to sell it if you default. That's right. If you can't produce that 20% or until you do produce it, you typically have to take out mortgage insurance. Yes. Where you are paying for an insurance policy that will cover the bank should you default. Yes. Right. So they cover themselves in other ways. It's all an assessment of risk. Right. And you you have a real piece of property to make that risk up. When I just go say, hey, first of all, if I'm living paycheck to paycheck to where I need to go borrow money between paychecks, I'm high risk Precise. as is. You, if I step in that door looking for a loan, I've already been vetted to a degree. <laughs> when you buy a house, you have to show what all your liquidity is, right? right? So they know you got cash on hand. Yes. And if you're taking a gift, like say your parents are cool and they want to give you your down payment, yes. you have to declare that because that's not 20 grand you technically have because you're so successful. Yes. It's 20 grand your parents are giving you. That's right. With this, you're literally saying, I have no money. But, I don't have any money to pay you back. But give me some. But give me some. That's right. So why wouldn't you have a high interest rate to make up that risk? You should, or it is not unreasonable for the payday, pay loan company to demand a very high interest rate. It's right. not unreasonable at all. Right. It's just, exactly. It's, they are taking an incredibly high risk of never seeing that money again. I think you're missing the true intentions of this. I'm bill, sure we are. Which Lay is it on us. Which is to force the people who need money to go back to the original lenders of money, which is the mafia. They need <laughs> their, their, uh, their special little uh, promises. We never know when that promise will be fulfilled. Are you talking about the real mob the real or, or mafia. the Democrat We mob. need the real mafia. Don Corleone, okay? I'm going to give you money now, and you owe me a favor later, and you pay me back with some interest. You know, real underground stuff. Because that's what we need. No more of this predatory lending anymore. A, a stance needs to be made right now. I, not that I don't agree with you, Bobby, even though I don't know if I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it all comes back to 
if you can find a way to circumvent the dire situation the government's created, mm-hmm. you kind of undermine their system. They want you to be reliant you, on you, them. You got out of line. Right. They, you need to get back in line. Either be reliant on them or they want you to go back and pound on the doors of your employer and say, pay me more. Because they, they like that. Yes. They like that mob rule of we're not paid enough. That's a, that's a campaignable message. Totally. But if you just kind of deal with it and then you go get money from somebody else then you kind of fell out of line with what their messaging was. Big time. That's a great point. And you don't become one of their little uh, bullhorns for the change they want. The more, the harder we make it, and I I made the joke, the mafia, but yeah, we would create a black market for this kind of situation. Somebody would borrow from somebody they know. Of course. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, this would go online. Actually, you're starting to already see, I think there is, private loans and they aggregate them and there's 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 some sort of um websites i don't know them off the top of my head but i've heard of people who you can invest money in these in in kind of these pools of private loans that people are taking out to pay off credit cards you know and so maybe you get eight percent because they're willing to pay that eight percent to pay off a six percent loan or you know all this kind of stuff to aggregate debts you're already starting to see this in the private space, a space that it's going to be hard for one state to, to try and well, control. Let me ask you this. What is the difference between this, yeah. these loan companies Payday, at 100%, yeah. Yeah. and the federal government loaning you FAFSA money mm. for your student loans mm. at 6% mm. on a 10-year note, and they're lending you giving you the ability to borrow 10x what it actually takes for you to go to school. That's an it's an interesting comparison because the other parallel is the only the only thing to lean the loan against at the end of the day was the knowledge. Right. That there, you there's got no collateral. School, right? yeah. There's there's like literally nothing other than in your brain assuming you went to actual class in your brain that is um, it can be monetized. Totally. You sign a promissory note that you're going to pay this thing back. Meanwhile, there, I experienced this when I went to grad school. You know, it cost me 10 grand a semester or whatever it was at Cal State, but they approved me for like $60,000. Oh, you've, yeah, you've said this. And idiots will take out all 60 grand. And now all of a sudden, you could have got through for $40,000 in loans or 30 grand if you're like, in, we'll say, a three year program. But you borrowed, you know, $120,000 in money for your damn degree. And now you're paying it back for a decade at 6%. You know, most people will say that even a 30-year home note is a poor financial choice. That if you can get out in 15 years, that's actually the more fair loan. But so many people can't afford a 15-year note that they've stretched out to 30. But to pay 15 years of interest on a 30-year note is crazy. Believe me, I know it, Louie. I'm going through this process right now. I'm trying to get closer over here to Backhouse Media Studios. and Cut down on the commute. We talked about the fuel commute. in the last episode. Uh, make John drive all by himself. <laughs> so it, it, is, it is a challenge. It's very interesting, all the paperwork, how much, how all these stupid little programs that they have... I'm having my mortgage guy go through all these, and I'm just, I mean, I deal in finance, and all these things are just spinning around in my head. It's so out of control. I don't know where I'm at right now. 
I still know why we're we're getting involved in what a choice, a contract to consenting adults make. Like we talk about the minimum wage all the time, technically a contract. What are we doing? Exactly. Next one. Is it time for... um, Oh, sure. Is it a little little crossfire time? Yeah, we can make that happen. All right, Louis, you and me, give me a little... Uh, Here we go. Work the wrist. Ready? Two out of three. One, two, three. Eh. Bam. I'm up. Okay. I'll give you the little Wikipedia two-sentence deal, and then... (laughs) Oh, God. This is a a sports. It's a little lighter. All right. But it... It's a little free markets involved here. In professional sports, a salary cap is an agreement or rule that places a limit on the amount of money that a team can spend on player salaries. It exists as a per player limit or a total limit for the team's roster or both. Several sports leagues have implemented salary caps using it to keep overall costs down and to maintain a competitive balance between richer clubs and other clubs. I would say that it's like a free market. There shouldn't be any salary cap. Do you agree or disagree? I actually agree with the salary cap okay. uh, because I do think it creates disparity in the markets. Uh, you see a team like the Dodgers or Los Angeles, which is the bigger market, and they end up with more money to go out for the bigger players. You've got these $300, $200 million contracts being awarded, and I think it helps spread better players around the league, which makes for a better product in the end. If you concentrate all the good players to like two or three teams in a 30-team league, it becomes really boring. Uh, You see some of these markets, like the Seattle Supersonics are gone. You see teams move from one place to the other because the market sucks. And now you might say, well, then the market dictates whether they can support a team or not. But I don't know if we really want just teams in one chunk of the country. Because Oklahoma, uh, how can you really support a team in Oklahoma if you're not spreading the money around in that so although I do agree with the free market i think a salary cap is actually kind of good for leagues interesting the salary cap is good for leagues <sighs> where do i go with this um golden state where was their fan base five years ago it was nowhere nowhere because nobody cared about golden state now everybody's on the bandwagon why? Because they happen to get a good player in this Stephon Curry guy. Hey, it makes sense. Low uh, low turnout, higher draft picks, right? Mm. That's where we're headed towards. Mm. Spread out the wealth. Hey, you know what? One Once upon a time, it was just Los Angeles Lakers, New York Knicks, Boston Celtics. Where are they these days? Where are they? They're nowhere. Why? Because they made poor decisions with their draft picks. That's it. That's all I got. Interesting. So you would argue that the salary cap's actually not even a factor. It's these other. It's, it's just on. the stupidity yeah. of the team and the. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, there's a little bit of econ. I would say overarching all this, it's entertainment. It's sports, and it's their own entity. They can do whatever they want. I don't have a problem with that because I can pay a ticket or not pay a ticket. Great. I think the problem is, is when you've got teams that take on investors. Mm-hmm. And you can, okay, I got an investor that'll pump a billion dollars into this team. Okay. And then we'll just go out and we'll buy everything. We'll buy the best players. Got it. Oh, we got a bunch of super max, $300 million, million people on our team. Got it. And it, it doesn't become fun to watch. We're just going to roll I'll, I'll, every I'll counter, championship. I'll counter yeah. this is that uh, Donald Sterling. Okay. Yeah, okay. He owned the Clippers yeah. before they ripped <laughs> it away from him. And uh, what he, he purposely tanked the team. 
And he kept that salary cap way low so that he could get the media money that is guaranteed for all teams. And he went, I'll just produce a crappy team. I'll get the revenue. Uh, the players just move on. No big deal. Everybody. The clips were pretty bad. The clips there were for pretty a long bad. Time. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, I, that he, was the. His model did kind of work. His model, business wise, worked. That become the they get, became the Colts saying though, suck for luck, right? I mean, <laughs> that's right. that was when they're going right. after Andrew Luck in the draft. Totally. They had a crappy season, so they just tanked the team to get better draft picks. I don't really care about that. Get your draft picks. People pan out or they don't pan out. I think what becomes a problem for a league is if you have one or two teams that have a billion dollars to spend and you've got a tiny market team yeah. that has nothing to spend. Then how do they even compete? It's its its own entity like MLB or NBA, right? And so it's its not the gov. Good. And so, right, if, if one of the main drivers in, of its existence is entertainment, I would agree that then in order to produce a higher level of entertainment – you're going to want things to be between guardrails in terms of best to worst. Otherwise, it's not going to be very entertaining. For very you long. see it in college sports, right? I mean, a USC comparatively is better than UCLA. Yeah. Right? And USC has more money to spend on things like coaches. Yeah. Uh, players off the record. Yes. Yeah, right? <laughs> Gym bags. What about cash. Reggie Bush? We've seen how this stuff affects collegiate sports. Yep. And that yep. when there is a little bit of money grease in the wheels, yep. they become these bastions. That's right. Excuse. That's right. You know? There you go. Thanks, guys. Interesting. A little, little uh, light change Defend from the Defend Reggie world Bush of... to the day you die. You do? Oh, well, <laughs> not me. Okay. Topic time. Swooshed. We're back. We're back onto a topic in California we've covered before, but they keep bringing it up for us, so we're going to go there again. California bill to cap rent increases in California advances. Yay. This comes from ABC7 on May 30th. This isn't the same as rent control. Um, Not necessarily. Right. You're probably... We're, we're getting into nuanced territory, but yeah. that's right. That what The deal that they struck, as we'll talk about here in a second, discusses the percentage increases that are allowed, mm -hmm. the max percent increases right. that are allowed in rent each year. Lay on so kind of like Prop 13 for rent. Kind. Uh, there you go. I think they could think of it that way. But not so then I mean, what is the difference between that and rent control? Well, rent control refuses to it puts a moratorium on whatever you were paying and sometimes it even lowers the amount making it available even section 8. And as so long as you live in that right. dwelling it never goes That's up. That's right. Gotcha. Or goes up in a very small. And then small a amount. reset can occur when, when you leave or when move you leave. out or something. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Kind of like your property taxes and the value assessed for property taxes. Okay. Makes sense. So California Assembly voted to cap rent increases for many tenants as America's most populous state faces a housing crunch, as we have been talking about in the last couple episodes. So I guess this is the way to fix that, apparently. Assembly Bill 1482. It would prohibit landlords from raising rent by more than 7% plus inflation over the course of a year. The proposed cap would be in effect for three years. Political wrangling and persistent opposition, as you might imagine, came from the California Association of Realtors. This bill originally called for a 5% cap on rent. The backers agreed to raise that cap and let it expire in 2023 instead of 2030. 
but can I get a show of hands as to how many of you think this will actually expire, kind of like the temporary tax increases? <laughs> There's no sunset. From, that's right. No. Okay, and the cap will not apply to landlords leasing fewer than 10 single-family homes or to newer properties built in the last decade. Again, I love these in these bills, these well, arbitrary yeah. like limit number 10. Well, not nine. What about 11? Well, what, why stuff in the, made in the last decade? Exactly. No clue. Couldn't even tell you. Hmm. Uh, Democratic Assemblyman David Chu. Not Chu Chu. We've talked about this guy before. Mm. He argued the measure would protect tenants from big rent increases while still allowing property owners to get a fair return on investment. When I read that. Who are they to determine the return on investment? Exactly. You can, it's, it's comments like that that I love because it gives us true insight into the mentality with which they operate. They really do see themselves setting in a position to play Monopoly with the pieces on the board that are us and in this state to affect what they deem to be proper rates of return, affordable housing. Whatever those terms mean, they love the ability to kind of die. So those patronizing. In. Oh, it's a ridiculous. Well, I'm giving you 7%, John. That's I'm being a, fair. It's a fair return. Like, who are you? What do you expect? It's a fair return. <laughs> it. It's so frustrating. Oh. The gall. You're like, well, I the, 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 the assume the assumed omniscience yeah. of these people is Absolutely. is mind blowing. When seven percent is good, no. but we would say in your investment account, tens like market average. That's right. Long term market returns nine, ten percent, let's say. Right. And that that's a decent return on investment for something. And remember you be happy with six? Come on, that's fair. Remember, expenses didn't exceed seven percent, so of course. Oh know. right. Oh right. Oh, I don't know that statistic. Oh, shame on me. Meanwhile, your property tax goes up uh one and a quarter every year. Property assessment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I where I live right now, I pay fifteen hundred dollars for rent. Fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. And how uh, big is your apartment? It's, it's just a one bedroom apartment. It ain't that big. It's probably about the size that mine was. <laughs> Backhouse Media Studios is oh. bigger. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's They're fine. probably about maybe 700 square feet. I'm going to start crashing here. Generously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no, no, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's going to add an extra $100 a month to my bill. If it's 7%, it's still, it's still extremely high. I was talking to my landlord not too long ago, and he goes, aren't you glad I charge you such a cheap rent? And you know what? He does. Because the property he just leased right across from me, $2,100. Similar, same exact size, wow. same exact everything. Good for you. Same exact everything. Go, Bobby. It's so dangerous there that someone was murdered oh. outside my apartment building on Saturday night. Someone was stabbed to death right there. Yeah. Just right See, there. this is another lesson in risk reward. <laughs> yeah. If that's the kind of risk, you're going to need to reward me with low rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is cheap rent in <laughs> California. Congratulations. Well, when I lived in downtown Santa Barbara, and our apartments are probably the same size. When I first moved in, it was 1200 and the first couple of years didn't really go up much. It was, But it was, it was like a 20-person apartment complex okay. owned, by, uh, owned by a private couple, okay. I think. Okay. Well, then they sold it to one of the bigger places in town. Uh, like a property, property management, management company. Oh, um, tricky. And it went up 300 bucks in one year. And it, it went up... Uh, Probably a hundred bucks over the four years I was there, 
So we went from 1200 to like 1300 bucks, And then wham. And then wham, another three. And then it was 1650 by the time I left mm. my fifth year there for 700 square feet. Yeah. I mean, yep. but supply and demand. There like is nowhere to live downtown in Santa Barbara. You just have a bunch of dense residential that's full. They know they have that lever that they, totally. can, they can pull. But you know what? I chose not to live there. And I got out of the situation. So there were... Right. In the free market, I said, this this doesn't work for me. And I left. And you would have had the more supply that would have been online. Right. The more of those sorts of choices you would have had. The problem is the government pigeonholes you in there because they don't allow anything to get built. So there is nowhere for you to go. And so the next... One of the next quotes from this article... Quote, this is a disincentive for people to build, and what we need is to build, said Republican Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez of Lake Elsinore, California. It's true. This, don't forget, we started this segment by saying this was one of their solutions to fix the housing crunch. How in the world is simply changing details of existing housing going to magically make more housing appear? Because they look at it very one-dimensional. They just go, oh, the reason why we have so much homeless is because people can't afford rent. Okay. And they stop there. Right. So they say, well, let's bring down the rent. Which there's a couple, there's different ways to do that. Right. And what they don't see is the bigger thing they affect after that. It's dominoes. Right. Right. And so that assembly person was absolutely right. You do this. No, no person's going to want to build or try and yeah, build. Why would complex. I buy an apartment complex if you're going to cap how much I can make out of it? That makes no well, sense. Essentially, what we're arguing, and I alluded to it in the beginning, is rent control because this is kind of a form. It's of like rent a backdoor. It's I mean, a backdoor kind of way. Yeah. So I have a study here from Stanford. It's called "The Effects of Rent Control Expansion on Tenants, Landlords, and Inequality." Inequality evidence. From San Francisco, written by Diamond, McQuaid, and Quain, just to make sure everybody knows what I'm talking about. Very first paragraph. Using a 1994 law change, we exploit quasi-experimental variations in the assignment of rent control in San Francisco to study its impacts on tenants and landlords. Leveraging new data tracking individuals' migration, we find rent control limits renters' mobility by 20% and lowers displacement from San Francisco. Landlords treated, uh, treated by rent control reduce rental housing supplies by 15% by selling to owner-occupants and redeveloping buildings. Thus, while rent control prevents displacement of incumbent renters in the short run, the lost rental housing supply likely drove up market rents in the long run, ultimately undermining the goals of the law. It totally reminds me, again, a Friedman phrase, but this is just in general how capital markets work. The owners of these properties are going to find the best and highest use for that thing that which they own. All To your point, Louie and Bobby, all you're doing with an assembly bill like this is changing what the best and highest use for that piece of property is. It may no longer be rental units. Depending on the zoning, depending on what they can do, what kind of creative thing they can right. come up with, that may go out of supply. That, that Those rental units may be taken off of the supply chain 
for future units, which will inevitably raise the rents of the remaining. Just like in San Francisco. Wow. Well, we get into this this pickle where people are, oh, free market doesn't work, so government's got to intervene. Mm-hmm. But what we don't want to acknowledge is that the reason why it doesn't work as designed is because we keep intervening. You didn't let it. You didn't let it do its thing, right? If Eventually, people won't pay the rent. But when you start subsidizing housing and things like that, and you start giving government aid for it all, then why wouldn't you? You know, the, my, right. the apartment complex I lived in, they started changing their laws on uh, having uh, housing assistance and stuff. They started mm-hmm. changing the rules on who they were going to allow to live there because for them, it didn't, it didn't pan out having government-assisted people in there because the government capped how much they'd pay for that renter. Mm. So they kicked out the sweet old lady, which was really sad. But the government said, well, we're only going to pay 700 bucks for her to live there. And they go, well... Housing's going for sixteen hundred in this neighborhood. I could fill it with someone who's sixteen hundred. So they evicted her, mm. right? Because we incentivized it with mm-hmm. with, with government. <laughs> it's yeah. like just let natural people. You know, it's almost it's it's you got to you'd have to be crazy to think that with all of the junk that they have passed, that it actually integrates and works together in any sort of cohesive, understandable way. I mean, because what you're talking about, right, is two different programs or incentives depending on this thing and that thing. There's absolutely no way. I mean, I'm, I'm making a statement that's probably pretty obvious, but there's no way that all of these government programs and regulations and rules, even even just in the housing sector alone, can even begins to operate. In, in something that looks cohesive. Well, and like in this case, they don't pay fair market value, right? right? You see this even with healthcare in terms of what Medicare or Medicaid will pay for like an ambulance transport. Yeah. They only write you a check for a certain amount, even though that's not what the cost is. Right. Right. And then you just eat the rest and the whole system gets more expensive. Or hospitals close or like uh, we've seen. In exactly. California. Oh yeah, man. If you look at a 1984 Thomas guide and you look in the back and you see a list of all the hospitals, and then you look at it today, it goes Ooh. from like 150 to like 50 something. In wow. County, right. So with, with the rent analogy, we keep intervening with all these programs, but we don't pay fair market value. We see it here. Hey, we're giving you 7%. We know that's it's undervalued. Of course. They're not going to give you a good value. Of course. Right. And then, oh, I don't know why the system didn't work. <laughs> Evil capitalists. Right. <laughs> exactly. Man. Silly. Amazing. Silly people. I don't know what to do with these people. Are you done with housing? I am. <laughs> I am. Let you know how it goes with the mortgage. Yeah, keep us posted. That's keep right. posted. Our dreamer. Last topic. Two tax hikes for schools could end up on California's 2020 balance. More <laughs> school. Hey, guys, guys, it's for the children, guys. Hey, you know what? We got to pay for all those teacher bailouts that Gavin Newsom's signing no, us no, up for. No, no, It's for the kids. For Always the, for the kids. For the kids. It never goes past the classroom, dude. It's for the kids in the seats and mm. the chalkboards and the chalk. Gavin believed that all people needed respect. Everyone does, of course. <laughs> that's what the textbook told that's me. What Gavin said. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the special insert with his big mug on there. Yeah. Yay, Gavin! So this comes from the Los Angeles Times, May twenty sixth. 
So a nonpartisan statewide poll released last month found that 59% of likely voters believe current public school funding isn't sufficient. I lo- First of all, I love these sorts of polls because well, this would really change is, do you believe it's insufficient if you had to pay more to make it sufficient? Well, no, no, no. It's a pretty good price. It's, it's pretty good. I wonder if the actual question that was proposed yeah, actually right. gave them the number it's of how much we supply. And then you go, okay, this is how much goes to administration. This is how much goes to the actual schooling. So the LA Times, I got to hand it to them, they even admitted that the K-12 through education is getting more money than they ever have in history. So fancy that. Yeah, big shocker. The November 2020 ballot measure would be asking voters to impose $11 billion in new taxes for schools. Specifically, a tax height on corporate income over a million dollars and personal income over a million dollars. Don't forget, high-income earners are still paying the higher rates extended by Prop 55 in 2016, money that was also promised to help improve schools. So that's an issue. There's apparently another $11 billion tax increase also being proposed. Written by self-styled reformers, such as the League of Women Voters and an alliance of liberal community groups. Mm. So here's the bullet points on that, and then we'll discuss. Promised as a new, excuse me, promised as a way to ensure smaller class sizes and better paid teachers. We're back to the same platitudes, you know, for the kids, all this. Right. Whereas I'm going to bet money Bobby's assessment of it shoring up pensions is Mm -hmm. probably the real reason, but we'll continue to lie to me. Lie to me, John. Here we go. It would remove most. Here's the here's the rub. I think we mentioned this on a previous episode. Here's where it's, it's coming in. It would remove most commercial property from the strict tax limits established by 1978's Prop 13. Oh, backdoor. Some pork in there. Legislators are considering these pair of multi-billion dollar bond. They're also considering a pair of multi-billion dollar bond measures for K through 12 schools and higher education which our ballot analysis back in 1986, right, showed we were looking at the same thing, or oh, yeah. 1988, bonds, schools, nothing's changed. If approved, the state would have to pay back the borrowing out of general tax revenue. Oh, gosh, we can't let that happen. I mean, we're California. This we is, have a balanced I gotta budget. Be, I it's gotta, all, all a way to start Rolling back Prop 13. It totally is. And I got to be honest, I think they'll be successful on the corporate side. I think they'll get commercial property out from under Prop 13 in this state. I think I think that'll happen. You know, uh, a few months ago, we did that look back at the previous ballot initiatives. Exactly. 1988, 1998, and then 2018. 2018. Yeah. yeah. And we saw the repetitive cycle of we need another bond for schools, another bond for water, another bond for roads and bridges. Same topic. Same thing over and over and over again. And this is only two years from, well, I guess actually it will be four when it actually gets the 2020 ballot. Sure. Sure. But uh, it's a little ahead of schedule for asking for more money. (laughs) Is it just a little ahead of schedule? Why do we always focus on million-dollar earners? Oh, I know. Again, another magic number. Right. Well, if you make a million bucks, you got to put more in, which is funny because I wonder how many of those million-dollar earners have their kids in private school. 
and not public school. There can't be a single one of them right. that has it in public school. And then they're footing the bill for everybody else. Like, that's always kind of been the, the weird thing on these uh, fair share taxes mm. is that you're disproportionately taxing those who use the system the least mm-hmm. to subsidize those who use the system the most. Yeah. Right? As well they should. That was my best Bernie's <laughs> voices I very could good, make. Very good. I love it when yeah. you do that. As well it's they always, should. It's always mind-blowing because, like, I doubt these people really use the public school system. Nope. Right. But they're going to pay for everybody else. And for all the other dumb systems we have in there, like uh, lunches and breakfasts and everything else we subsidize. Where are the L.A. Times? I know I'm asking an unanswerable question. At what point will these people in the, in the news media, in the local papers, ask the question, you have more money than you've ever had before, and it's still not enough? You give me the bar. Where is the bar? When have we reached enough spending? There, the newspapers aren't interested in that story. So therefore, they will never ask the question. And the reason why they're not interested is because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. This is a primo spot. They are they're beholden to this Democrat Party, and whatever they say goes... And little by little, they tend to question authority, especially since they're not getting the Shangri-La that they've been promised. But let me, you know, revisit Proposition 51 from 2016. Okay. It was $9 billion, $9 billion in bonds, $3 billion to construct new f- school facilities. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where that money went. I couldn't tell you. $500 million for providing school facilities for charter schools. Well, guess what? We just killed charter schools. Bye. Right. See you later. Have a nice day. $3 billion for the modernization of school facilities. I, I don't know. You tell me. $500 million for providing facilities for career technical education programs. I don't even know what that means. And another $2 billion for acquiring, constructing, renovating, and equipping community college facilities. There's $9 billion right there. I don't know where it all went. In 2014, I think I'm getting this right, um, LAUSD wanted to buy iPads for everybody. They wanted to buy 700,000 iPads at a tune of $1.3 billion. Then they bought, they had already bought 75,000 iPads. And then there was a bunch of emails uncovered between John Deasy, who was the superintendent at the time, and the CEO of Pearson's, you know, they make oh, a bunch yeah, of course. educational software. That's right. And uh, they went, the emails basically pointed to that there was like a non-competitive bid on how this whole thing was awarded. And then they discovered Pearson software was installed on all the iPads. So they, they quashed it at 75,000 iPads that were already purchased. But I mean, do the math on it. 700 iPads are going to, 700,000 were going to cost you 1.3 bill. They already bought 75000 They spent millions on this program. The whole thing was just a giant waste. And then the iPads they did buy end up either getting stolen or <laughs> broken. or all, And they were all locked out, and all the kids figured out how to get them unlocked. <laughs> the kids were getting them to take home. Oh, my God. And they all just kind of walked away. Wow. And you're like, it, had this program succeeded, that would have been $1.3 billion of equipment 
that didn't make an ounce of difference in the system. And who knows how many other things like that happen. We talked about, uh, God, this was earlier, and it was probably last year, when we were talking about the DMV and how much money was wasted there with that lady sleeping. And then we found a bunch of educational institutions where they put in like charging stations for electric vehicles, but then they didn't have the equipment to tie into the grid, but they already (laughs) spent $2 million on it. (laughs) Like, And these programs that just fizzled, but they already spent like millions of dollars in equipment. Our bullet train. The bullet train. Another example. Right. There's there's more teacher strikes that are going on right now. There's one going on in Union City, another one in Hayward. And I, <laughs> there was a joke. I told somebody that the other day, and uh, they go, why don't they ever uh, strike when it's summer vacation? Ooh. If it's really for the children. Interesting well, How do you strike question. if you don't have to go to work? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> No, I mean, I get your point, Bobby, yeah. but I also get that. Like, <laughs> You've got to be not going to something for it to be a strike. Well, you know, um, it, it, there was a there Otherwise, was a strike. it's just a strongly worded speech. There was a strike um, in Japan uh, from bus, uh, bus drivers. What they did is they went to work, but they didn't collect bus fares. So they were forcing their union to make changes. So they were costing them a boatload Uh According to so mm. they were working, but they figured out a way to not um, get get revenue. Well, the, not interfere with the passengers' daily life. Yeah, right, right. They, yeah. they just weren't collecting. Exactly, and we're, we're generating revenue. Exactly, on those days, which is the opposite. They didn't inconvenience their uh, the people who need or rely on them. Mm. These teachers constantly inconvenience the students who need an education for the long term benefit of the student, mm. of course. We keep we keep being told the solutions just around the corner. It just, I just it is, need dude. another billion. It is in 1988, 1998, 2018. It's just around the corner. The real issue is the administrators. Uh, yeah. That's what I've been saying. I've always taken the unpopular position on don't give schools more money. Uh, Fire administrators. Yeah, in, in California, it's like there's one administrator for every one educator. I mean, you've mentioned that. Before, it's crazy yeah. the amount of bloat in the the overhead of the school system, and all these educators are making really, really nice six-figure salaries. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the classrooms go without textbooks, and teachers have to finance a lot out of their own pocket. You're looking at the wrong person. It's not the taxpayer you got to go collect your bill from. It's the administrators you got to start pulling some money Mm -hmm. out of. Mm -hmm. And that's the bottom line. But now that we've got rid of all charter schools, it's all going to be fixed. Yeah. All going to be fixed. There we go. That's all I got. That's it, huh? And with that, we show how California is the golden state <laughs> once again. Yeah, the golden goose. Mm-hmm. Another episode down. That was episode 49. 49. Approaching big, 50. Big 5 coming big up next. 49er, yeah. Thank you for listening to us. Tell a friend. Spread the word. We are the basically the only conservative thing in California on iTunes. Or Google Play. That's right. We're like the only conservative podcast in this state focusing on state politics. Download us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, our website, calistreaming.com, C-A-L-I streaming.com. And Bobby always has a special message for everybody. Remember, hope is just around the corner. And with that hope, we'll burn it all down.